This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, welcome everyone. Carm Capriato, Town Hall Academy. We have the view with the lady's perspective. Hmm. Well, I don't know why I just got so sophisticated there for a moment, but I did. Maybe because I love and respect women. That maybe that's what I was. I do. Nicole Benikoff is with us from the Subi Guys, Traversity, Michigan. Nicole. Hi. And Denise Chapman from Black Hills Tire and Rapid City, South Dakota. Hello. Hey, good to have you here. We're going to talk about ladies' perspective, lady technicians, lady service advisors, lady customers, and we're doing a that's so pink thing. Breaks for breasts is all pink, and everything we look at pink is. So maybe this is my late twenty twenty. Three pink episode. Oh, nice. Here we go. Hey, better late than never. Anyway, <laughs> hey, uh, pay homage to all of our great sponsors and our support. Fix cars faster, make more money. Check in, estimate, and move vehicles seamlessly with Shopware. Streamline every step of your day with a smoother ride and increased profits. Get Shopware.com, your ticket to automotive efficiency. And are you up to date on your training? Well, Delphi Technologies is proud to offer over 30 courses run by ASE certified technicians for professionals. Turn to the OE aftermarket supplier with over 100 years of experience. Inquire today at DelphiAftermarket.com. Okay, ladies, look, recruiting women employees is on my mind. Hiring female technicians, and I just set this up. Nicole has a lot of ladies working in her business. Tanise doesn't. But Tanise is also on the cutting edge of working with younger women in certain, uh, I don't know if it's social or charity kind of ways. You're going to tell us all about that, Tanise. So I think there's a lot to learn here as to how you so successful, Nicole, in building your female team and, Tanise, what you're doing about it. Because no matter what, we need young people to join our industry, to be mechanical specialists, to be technology specialists. And we need to tell the world that we got great careers in this industry. It's not as dirty as it used to be. And people expect it to be. So, Nicole, five women at your shop. Tell us about uh, how this all came about. Well, I think it probably stems from me being a woman shop owner just looking for other women to be in the industry as well. So we've always had, since I've been involved in the business, we've always had one other person in the office greeting customers and and that sort of thing. That's a woman. It's just kind of snowballed. We have a one of our service advisors is a woman, Bree. Then we have a, one of our customer service representatives as well. And our marketing person who's in-house, she is also a woman. So I think they've mentioned to me that that is part of the reason that that is what attracted them to the job. One of the things was that it is woman owned and seek maybe some support or just that's nice to know that you have someone else there, especially in this this industry. You know, what's interesting is there are so many husband and wives that work together. And yet she's smiling because she does. And what's so interesting is you're saying because you're woman owned, but Denise is also woman owned. And I I know you're in the rural part, Denise. I get that. And and there may not be, you know, the kind of talent out there that you can you can hire in the rural communities. Man, I do I get that. But maybe part of the message in this episode is that the husband, the wife, who is kind of equal partner, standing shoulder to shoulder doing all this great stuff in the business, should maybe say, hmm. I wonder if I'm using the fact that I'm a woman in a smarter way. Am I thinking crazy? No, I don't think so. I think that we need to promote that because typically automotive repair shops are just owned by males. 
And so I think that I just have to kind of be in awe because this last year I went to the Women in Auto Care Conference in Palm Springs and it was just so eye-opening to me how many women are involved in our industry, whether it's parts vendors or, or shop owners, and they're the majority owner. And where I'm from, I'm kind of very few. There's a lot of shops where I'm from, but their husband owns it. And perhaps their wife is part owner or whatever, but she doesn't have a huge part of the business. You know, she probably does the books and all the payroll and all that, but you don't come into the shop and get greeted by her like you do at our shop. And so I was, it was very eye-opening me in Palm Springs because I felt like I was the only one doing this. (laughs) And then I just realized that it's just our area that I feel like I'm the only one doing this. I find it fascinating that you made that observation. And Denise is so right about how many women, I mean, just go to a conference, go to Apex, go to ASTE and see all the ladies that are part of the vendor network. There's a ton of them. Doesn't necessarily equate back to the front lines of the service professional. And I love your point. What is the profile of the wife in the shop who's a partner. Maybe that's part of what we should talk about. They don't feel that face of the customer could be as important to them. And maybe they need to go out and say, you know, I do the books. There's a lot I do is do some of the marketing, but maybe I should spend a couple hours on the counter every couple of days. I think it's a ton of fun. I love running the counter. So two months ago, we kind of had a bit of a employee shuffle. And so I've had to run the counter on a more regular basis. And it is so much fun, Um, way more fun than doing books. So (laughs) if I could find someone to help do my books, I would much rather do that. But it's shocking that some people come into our shop and they only want to talk to my husband, Weston, or, you know, only he can call them back. So we're really trying to change that. But I love helping at the counter. I think it's a lot of fun and I'd much rather do that than sit in my office all day doing payroll and inventory and all that. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I think that having somebody, while it's unusual, more unusual, right, to Mm -hmm. have a woman at the counter, because our goal is to try to make people comfortable. We want to allay as many of their fears as we can, the anxiety, the stress of having to drop their vehicle off. I think that goes a long way when you have somebody that can understand a woman when they come come in and also they feel that they're on common ground with somebody. So I think that that for us, it's worked out really well. Absolutely. That was one thing when we opened our shop, we really wanted to make sure that it didn't have the traditional tire store automotive shop vibe. We didn't want it to smell like tires or, you know, or have tires in the waiting room. And I caught a lot of heck from our vendors about that because I refuse to let any of those signs in my waiting room. I just don't. I'm sorry. I will put it on my website, whatever. But our shop, when you walk in, it feels like you are in a coffee shop or maybe a wine bar. And I tell you what, we have had so many women and even men who are in like, the professional industry of lawyers and accountants and all that, they come in, they're like, this is so refreshing. I trust you guys. So I don't need to see the tire before I buy it. Or it's, we've had such an awesome, I guess, feedback on that, that I was glad I held firm. We're not going to do this. We're going to do it differently. And it's really paid. So I was just in a wine bar on a cruise ship, man. Now I know exactly (laughs) what your place looks like, Denise. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I can't. I, I know. Serve, I want to go. I don't serve wine. I mean, maybe come about five o'clock on a Friday. Then I could probably get you that. But. <laughs> hey, I got this discussion recently with uh, with a couple of guys in the industry about exactly what you're talking about. The the image, the, the customer experience that happens in the waiting room, the lobby. And this hit me so hard. Someone said, we were talking about Starbucks and the experience at Starbucks and, and what happens at our counter from A to Z, from phone call to 
months after the transaction. And one of the discussion points was about the Keurig or the coffee that's available. And I was at a friend's place Saturday. The place is closed and we were just kind of, I was getting a tour, brand new place. He wanted to show it off to me. And I go to his Keurig and I look at the cups and the cups were generic from a wholesale club. And I looked at him and I said, this place is too beautiful. What you did to the waiting room, the colors, the counter, not to have Starbucks coffee Keurig cups. And he looked at me and he said, OMG. I says, I don't care if they cost two times, they cost 60, 70 cents a piece. How many people wait here have a Keurig cup of coffee? And he goes, not many. So what's the message that you're sending? I value you and your business to give you the most upper end of everything I have. Not the generic water bottles in the cooler, but maybe Fuji. Who knows, right? What's your thought on that? So at our shop, we have the Starbucks coffee, Keurig coffee, but we also have, there's a local coffee shop in town, a local roaster that provides Keurig cups. So we buy from them, which is really cool. Um, And then we started off with just our, um, we have a local pottery business in town and she handmade us Black Hills Tire mugs. And so we started off with those, but it's kind of progressed now. We've have there's a dentist down the street that does all his business with us. And so he's like, can I leave you a coffee mug? And I'm like, sure. And so that's, and then there's an accounting firm that asked if they could do the same and a local restaurant in town and a brewery that has a coffee mug. And so we've kind of got this eclectic stack of coffee mugs, but they're, you know, very high quality, but they're local businesses in town that we're friends with or do business with us and vice versa. So that's kind of been fun and it's evolved. I got to tell you, Nicole, what a brilliant idea. Get mugs from high-end quality customers that have a great rep in town and allow them to be used by customers. And even if they don't, at least they're on display that, hey, uh, we belong, we're together. That's awesome. I know there's a lot of things that details, right? In the waiting area, the bathroom of our shops. I'm sure same thing with you, Denise. People comment all the time on how clean it is. This is the cleanest shop bathroom I've ever seen. You know, it doesn't even look like one. Or, you know, the kind of magazines that we have in the waiting room or the smell of the waiting room, how it feels, the colors. So I think all of that, I know not to diss anybody, but I know that some of the guys in our shop will be like, hey, let's put this piece of furniture that looks like front of a car or something like that in our waiting room. And and I'm like, that's not who we are. (laughs) You know, there are some differences. And and I think probably as women, we're a little more in tune to that. Exactly. I know how many times one of the guys have been like, hey, did you see this really cool chair? I'm like, no, they, no. You know, at our um, shop, our bathroom was adamant we're putting hand towels in, like real hand towels. And so every Friday I take them home and I bleach them and wash them. And that was just kind of something that I wanted to to do because I just wanted us to stand apart. I wanted it to be more of a spa-like feel. And um, my grandparents actually owned their own gas station and there was a little bit of a repair shop attached to it in North Dakota for 42 years. And my gra- it was part of the um, Amoco company back then. And my grandpa won an award for having the cleanest bathrooms. And so they he got to go on this trip um, to Chicago. And my grandma always said that that was a bunch of BS because she was the one that cleaned the bathroom, but she didn't get to go with. Because this was back in the yeah. early 70s 
70s where the women didn't get to go on any of those trips. And so when she told me, she goes, when we open our own business, she said, you make sure that bathroom is clean all the time. And so we've taken that to heart. So. so I'm positively convinced that you don't need to be a woman owner. You don't need to be a woman partner. You don't need to be a woman service advisor, customer advocate to keep the bathroom clean the image right, the dust away, the grease away. What are your disciplines, Denise Nicole, inside the business to be sure that it all stays up to your standards? I think my staff just takes really great pride in it that they get so many compliments from everybody that come in that says, this place is so different than any other place in town. They take pride in that. So they continue to make sure that it stays that way. I think that's probably the biggest ever have to tell anybody to clean or anything. They take such pride in it from getting all those compliments that they just do it without being told. That's a good point. I think the (laughs) same at our shop. We always think in terms of it should be what we would want to use. We wouldn't think badly if we were visiting a place that had this. So same. I mean, those are standards that it's part of your culture. Exactly. Nicole, do you have a female technician? We don't. We would love to have one. So we, we do not have any female technicians. Yeah. And Denise, you want one too. And what is it going to take down our futuristic road here to bring more females into the industry? What I mentioned earlier is we're kind of from a, a very traditional rural area where change takes a while to hit us. And a lot of the thought of having a female technician or even just a female in the automotive, your automotive shop, nobody frowns upon it, but yet it's not something that we have a lot of women come seek me, you know, mentor. Cause I'm, I put that out there all the time. Like, I'd love to talk to you about what it's like and come visit us. And I just don't have anybody take me up on that. So a few things we're trying to do to promote that is We hold a camp in the summer for kids 12 to 15. So they can come and get hands-on and see what it's like to be in the automotive shop. And and I pushed hard for girls. Oh my gosh. I went out to the, I went to the girls club. I went to the Girl Scouts. I all trying to get some girls to, um, to attend and they didn't this year. So hopefully next year, I'm also trying to go to the local vocational schools and just what do we need to do to get some of the younger girls know that they're interested in cars, but why are they not pursuing that as a career? But we're not having a ton of luck yet. I know something that we have, I can see in the future that it's going to be necessary and we've started to have serious conversations about is not just for women, but I think especially women that will have families or that plan on having that at some point. We are working really hard to have a four-day work week and that will help everybody in the office as well. You know, who of us doesn't, I mean, so many, if you have kids or even yourself, even just regular appointments, things, you, your animals. Mm-hmm. So I think that would help alleviate They've told us, our employees have told us that that is something that would really help them. And I think that it would attract a lot of people also to have that option. Would you still keep working five or just shut it down, do four? What we're considering, open five days, longer hours actually, and then having two shifts. So there would be each person would have a three day weekend. They would either have a Monday or a Friday off. And so everyone would be there in the middle of the week. Fix cars faster with Shopware. Now, Shopware allows you to run your entire business in the cloud and paper-free. Now, best of all, you can track work digitally and in real time. Need to transfer a job? No problem. Need to update pricing? Done. With Shopware, you can focus on what's important, fixing cars and keeping your customers happy. You didn't get into this business to shuffle papers or scroll through email notifications, and you don't have to write the same estimate over and over or check a parts matrix to figure out parts pricing. Shopware can track that for you. 
Shopware empowers you, the shop owner, by powering the data you already have in your system. It's time to let Shopware handle the workflows so you can handle the cars. But don't just take our word for it. Schedule a free demonstration at GetShopware.com to see Shopware in action. The product speaks for itself. As the trusted aftermarket brand for over 100 years, Delphi Technologies is by your side for every step of the repair process. The Delphi journey doesn't stop once the parts are ordered. Wherever your journey takes you, our quality parts gives you ease of mind when getting your customer's vehicle back on the road. Technicians know and trust Delphi as a quality brand. Each product undergoes rigorous testing to not only meet OE standards, but also enhance it in each opportunity. From 700 hours of spray testing on chassis components to fuel pumps tested for reliability up to 150,000 miles. And safety and reliability is paramount to help vehicles drive cleaner, better, and further throughout their lives. Delphi is also committed in developing products and services to prepare technicians for the future. Take advantage of how-to videos on YouTube, technician-led trainings, and our technical support line and more. Turn to the aftermarket parts supplier with over 100 years of OEM trust and quality. Learn more about Delphi. Visit DelphiAftermarket.com. Career fairs, you're talking about camp, and I loved it, Denise, that there's any opportunities within the high schools, you know, 8th and ninth, the ninth and 10th grade to get out there and talk in front of students at a career fair, get yourself 10-minute presentation. You don't even have to have PowerPoints, but just go in and say this. Did you know that in the latest F-150, there's one million lines of code? Who plays video games here? Everybody raises their hands. And it's a computer on wheels. I think the fascination in that story told over and over again to people that just look at that thing as a, a greasy, dirty, unprofessional type career. And, oh, I got to get mom and dad complain about the cost of repairs and I got to get it. And I'm sure, do I trust them? And it's got to bleed into the family, right? And we've got to get out there and change their minds. Absolutely. And that's kind of where we started with the camp was to not just encourage ladies and young girls to, but just kids in general to understand that, you know, it is cool to fix cars and it's not just changing oil and rotating tires. There's a huge need for people who are interested and good at electronics because that's what the cars are coming. And so we, that was what a really huge hit we had with our camp. I would love to go speak to all of our, our middle schools and stuff. It's, to, I need to figure out how to make happen. It's just tough. Our local school district is just a little bit tough. So we got to overcome that obstacle. I guess what we have to do though, when we're, we're talking to counselors, principals, is to let them know that we need 500,000 technicians, whatever the latest number is today. It's huge. And we know also that inside the education system, the talk of career technology, CTE courses is blossoming. And there's even high schools that have found grant money to put up automotive technology shops. I mean, we've got that going on here in Buffalo. So I think in the educational circles, skilled trades is big. And Tanise, you know it even more because your governor's out there on, on TV all the time talking about your state is geared for skilled trades. To me, if education doesn't hear you and they don't bring you in, then you've probably talked to the wrong person. From the local high school, we had two teachers this year that contacted us. She was actually a client. She had been to our shop and she contacted us and said, hey, will you come and speak to our students? There was two different classes 
and give them a presentation on the career and, you know, just a little bit of information about vehicles in general. And so I thought that was really forward thinking for them to do that. And they said, you know, these kids are graduating sooner. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do. So yeah, I think that's a great, if you can get in there and, you know, I think it was two half an hour sessions that we did with two different groups of people. So our manager came and then I came as well. So that was fun. It was. Yeah. I bet you want to do it again. Cool. Recently did an episode with Greg Buckley and he's going out talking to at senior centers, not senior homes, but senior centers where the, you know, the seniors just drive in, come in and he's telling them about the safety and, you know, the health of the air inside the vehicle, drive smart, drive safe. And he's being asked by people from AARP and and other of these centers, could you please come in and talk to our people? Now, think about that for just a moment. Even though some of the seniors may have an older vehicle, it still needs to be safe and reliable. I get all that. And he's there to educate. But think about the nieces, the nephews, and the grandkids of these seniors. Kind of get plugged in a little bit. You're not there to promote your shop. You're there to promote safety and reliability in a vehicle. But yet... We are a high-tech industry comes out and we see in the in the road with a, a tablet and a white lab coat, almost a stethoscope someday, and I'm only kidding, working on these vehicles by plugging in and discovering what is right or wrong and sometimes doing programming and certain, you know, diagnostic work. So I think it's not going to come to us. I guess my point, we've got to go out and get it. All right. One of the things that you were telling me, Nicole, is you had a pregnant service advisor. You had this incredible discovery. Yeah. So we had never, I mean, besides myself, this is in the early part of our business that we had females that that had children, you know, this year we have somebody that's pregnant who's our service advisor. And she said, well, what's our maternity leave policy? I thought, well, we don't really have one. I'm going to make one. So I did some research on it and I asked a bunch of my peers in the industry and I said, can you guys share your maternity leave policies with me so I can kind of come up and see what's standard? So the interesting part was that nobody had a maternity leave policy for a female. It was only for the fathers and it'd be like two weeks off if they had a baby or their wife had a baby. So I was just, just again, astounded like, oh, this is one of those moments that you do realize that we do have, have a ways to go and because they do need to be different policies. They do need to have different facets, right? If, if you are a woman giving birth to a child, you're not going to take two weeks off, you know, only two weeks off. <laughs> I was amazed and it was, like you said, eye-opening. This is a big key talking point from this episode. If anything, don't wait to hire a female service advisor. I mean, many in our office are females. It's just maybe because they're more attuned to being accountants and marketing people. But if we're going to hire a woman in our bays, then we've got to totally rethink our, our human resource policies. Yeah, it was crazy. Great catch. I'm assuming you wrote one then and got it all. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I never really thought about the difference. There were so many different situations that came up when I was writing that policy. Like, oh, what if there's a child that was adopted? I mean, there was, it it really just came, opened things up. But yes, we did come and now we have one. Like I said, it it shows us that a lot of people don't have this situation ever happen or else they would already have a policy. So let's go. Okay, ladies, image and look of our uniforms. I'm really big on this. I just hate that black on black or dark blue on dark blue and and no contrasting, no colors, no logos. What are you doing? To Are you separating the woman's look at all, uh, Nicole? I feel like this is a controversial subject. <laughs> Truly noted. From my experience, but... 
I personally, we tried black polos before for everybody in the office. It's just not something that I naturally would want to wear. And I joke sometimes to some of the people, the women in our office, like, oh, we're going to have to go to black polos if we can't get this right. And everyone's like, no. And so um, just, you know, like one cut of shirt. So we don't have that policy for us, but we do have logoed wear in certain colors, our business colors. What do you mean in certain colors? I mean, is there one particular color on one particular day or whatever goes with the outfit? Yeah. So we have a few different colors that are business colors. So black, gray, red, we have a, a green. Those are the, all the acceptable colors. And we do, like if one of us sees something that would work, we might buy a couple or two or three of them and store them in the back. We have options. So what you're saying is that the ladies really don't have a different uniform policy than anyone else in the shop. I mean, they don't have a uniform that we get from a uniform company. Right. You don't say, listen, everyone, uh, both in the in the back of shop or the front of shop, this is our uniform. We all look like this. The ladies get a choice. What's going on in the in the shop? What are you doing for uniforms there? We use, a, like I said, a uniform company. So we, we get, you know, the shirts, they have our logo on them. So in pants. So it's black shirt with a green logo and black pants. And those are our colors out in the, in the shop. So if somebody wanted to wear up front, if somebody wanted to wear something that looked more industrial, then that would be okay. But we have a dressy casual policy. A dressy. I love that. Even though you don't have any females in the business and you got a huge, huge business. What are you guys doing for uniforms and colors and stuff? Our colors are black, gray, and white, but um, my service advisors, I kind of give them free reign. I want them to come to work feeling comfortable. And so, because I think then that comfort portrays to the customer as they walk in the door. So I will get them polos and vests. You know, we're in a mm-hmm. cold environment right now. And then they can wear jeans and boots, cowboy boots. A lot of them are cowboy boots. My tech's in the back. We provide those like red cap mechanic shirts, like those heavier button up ones. And, you know, hoodies are for the colder weather. But again, they can wear jeans or whatever pants they prefer. We haven't had anybody push the envelope. So they always look nice. And I figure I'm not going to address the issue until I have to. So <laughs> Nicole, based on your experience with the ladies in the shop, do you see any really key piece of wisdom you could give us when it comes to retention? I feel like in general with who we have working here, you know, I think that everybody wants to be heard, but I think that is, I found that is very important for the women, women person at personnel, that their ideas matter, especially there can be conflicting ideas because you feel strongly that you would want to be treated a certain way as a woman. I think that that knowing that your opinion matters, especially when we're coming up with policies and things like that, I think that's a huge key. And also knowing that we are going to try to provide a path for growth. And if somebody wants a career that's beyond just their position that they have right now. That's another key in retention. And we just try to be a family, but also be respectful of each other and also be flexible when we need to be. And we can. I'm not trying to discriminate in any way, but just to take your wisdom by having, you know, 40% of your staff is female, right? Yes. You really wouldn't treat them any differently, but there are different needs, their role at home and how many hats do we wear in life? Yeah, exactly. That And that really is a key. I mean, typically the females are the ones that are in general taking, you know, their kids to doctor's appointments, those kind of things that they need a little bit more freedom with. And like I said, obviously we're going to treat everybody similarly, but I've just found that that is a huge level of stress that can they, they can have. And so when we're able to be help each other out and fill in for each other, it's so nice. 
Makes so much sense. Just go. If it's a caring family, it's go. Take care of yourself. You know, obviously there are situations where somebody has to be here for in the office and things like that, but try to help each other out as much as possible. Yeah, years ago, I interviewed Mark Roberts out of uh, Schertz, Texas, and uh, he had this policy about supporting his employees. And it said it didn't matter what came up or what needed to be done as far as personal and family things. He always asked this question. If you leave, will anyone die? And the answer was probably no, then go. <laughs> yeah, I like it. What's the crisis? And in fact, what I think people forget to think about is you got someone going on vacation and we know that it's coming up and we know that we're all going to have to pitch in a little bit extra in order to keep our momentum up. We seem to do it, don't we? Another week later, another person goes on vacation and we seem to do it. And so if all of a sudden there's a moment where, listen, gotta go, can't be here. It's amazing how a high culture tight team just pulls together and makes it happen because they know that they'll do it for them someday. My husband always says, we're not fixing ambulances. Like, it's okay. Go take your you know, kids to the doctor or make sure you go to their Christmas program or... That stuff comes before anything else. So Yeah, I could tell you guys have incredible cultures at your place. And I so appreciate this discussion. We can go on for hours. I think we have pulled ourselves about a dozen great wisdom talking points out of here for the rest of the industry to hear and to hear your experiences. Uh, Nicole, that's got female employees. Denise, that doesn't, but yet... You're doing everything you can in the future to bring them on, but yet great family led by a husband and wife team. And I think the big takeaway is if you are working with your husband uh, or the husband's listening to this and you're working with your wife, what is her real profile? What is her duties to bring in to be sure that your lobby, your front, your waiting room looks just like Tanise's? It's the wine coffee bar. How cool is that? I need a picture of that. I want to see that. I'll get you guys a picture. (laughs) Thank you. Send me a picture of that and stuff like that. So thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Nicole Benikoff, Subi Guys, Traverse City, Michigan, and Tanise Chapman from Black Hills Tire, Rapid City, South Dakota, with husband Weston. You guys be on an episode uh, today's class. Eight, we were, yes. Yep, this summer. Yeah, and Nicole, you were, was it uh, Cancun? Yes. Yeah, it was Cancun. We did uh, your first episode with us. So. Yeah. That was great. really cool. And we did your husband then, what, the next day, didn't we? Yeah, we were filmed separately and, and you recommended that we not be there when he... That's right, because he doesn't work in the business. And what we, we got we got two shop owners whose husbands <laughs> weren't in the business. In fact, we got a female and a male. So so the wife owns the business. What do you do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was, it was, those were great episodes. Thank you so much. Listen, have a great holiday. Thank you. you. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.